0: Hey everyone, it is another day of God's grace, and you have found Altar Echo, and that makes me very happy. This is Pastor Andy Smith, St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Let's come into the presence of God together and join our faith. Well, hello everyone, happy 4th of July weekend. We come on a holiday weekend together here at Altar Echo and we come to worship, we come to give our faith, we come to grow in our faith, and we come to consider the depth of the celebration that this weekend brings to us, the freedoms that we have that also bring us privilege and rights and responsibilities that we hope and pray and wish for and work for for all in our good country and good land. Thank you for your prayers as people of faith, as we are moving through tumultuous times. We are in this together. And for those of us who are people of faith, we do hope that God, and we trust this as well, is blessing us to be a blessing to the people around us, our neighbors, our communities, and in fact, our entire country. This past week has been quite a week at St. John's here in Lakeville. Last Sunday, we voted to call a new associate pastor here. Our new pastor, Pastor Kim, will be here on August 1st, and we just look very forward to the gifts and talents that she will bring. You're going to hear from her too as well at Altar Echo. Today, I have the joy of telling you that one of my friends in the congregation, one of our former congregational presidents, Dan Brown, is going to be bringing the message. And so I have this joy and luxury of listening to the sermon this week and soaking in what Dan has to tell all of us. So I hope you will sit back and you will listen to Dan's message that brings a proclamation of the gospel while we still, on this last Sunday of this series, are focusing on the prophet Jeremiah. Should we get to the text, here are the readings for this coming Sunday. First of all, from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 to 18. Jeremiah writes this, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priests shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to make grain offerings, and to make sacrifices for all time. Then from Jeremiah 31 I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Everyone, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So sit back and listen to this good word brought to us today by Mr. Dan Brown from St. John's Lutheran Church here in Lakeville.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Dan Brown. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you today about this week's lesson from Jeremiah. For those of you who don't know, I write for St. John's, a weekly online devotional called Everyday Bible Conversations, EBC. EBC. The purpose of EBC has always been to explore the ways in which the Bible is a living, relatable book with meaning in our everyday lives, each and every day, within the larger message of the good news. EBC is always written with a short summary of the reading and questions to think about and hopefully talk about with your family and friends. EBC hopes to help make the Bible a close friend with a personal meaning for you instead of a distant relative with merely those stories that you've heard before. On this 4th of July, Pastor Andy has asked me to be with all of you in the spirit of those weekly EBCs to explore the meaning in 2021 of Jeremiah's words. May God bless our time together. So scene one is set back in 580 BC. It's a desperate time for God's people. Jerusalem is under siege again, and the news is not good. The prophet Jeremiah is predicting Jerusalem's fall, and Judah's status as a chosen people seems very much in doubt. To the current leaders of Judah, Jeremiah has not been much help. Jeremiah has repeatedly described the current events as God's judgment for his people's sins. In the midst of this disaster, Jeremiah speaks comfort. It is not comfort for the moment. It is comfort for the future. In the lesson from Jeremiah 31 and 33, both of these passages start, The days are surely coming, says the Lord. And then Jeremiah 31 talks about the new covenant that God will bring to Judah. I will put my law within them, says God, and I will write it on their hearts. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And in verse, the verses in chapter 33 for today, God promises further, Thus says the Lord, David will never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to make grain offerings, and to make sacrifices for all time. So in 2021, what is our relationship to these passages? Do you feel connected to them? Do the words jump off the page and into your everyday life? You will be forgiven if you don't, at first blush, feel all that connected to these passages. For the ancient people of Judah, these words likely felt directly relevant to the dire straits of Jerusalem. The words evoked images of prosperity and conquest, a Davidic king would be restored, priests would make offering to God in the temple at Jerusalem, and not just for a time, but forever. In the context of those times, even the promise that God would forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more probably sounded more like a promise that God would stop bringing judgment and calamity to the Jewish people. The war Judah was losing would eventually be won. Were that all to the story, none of this would help us today, of course. After all, Jeremiah is describing an ancient future and now what seems to be our past. And on the 4th of July especially, we celebrate the fact that we've thrown off kingly rule. And yet, with the benefit of hindsight, we know now, indeed, it is now inescapably obvious that Jeremiah was not talking about a momentary war with Judah's neighbors. Jeremiah was talking about Jesus. Jesus is our king. Jesus is from the lineage of David. God sent his only son to give us everlasting life. There is no more need for burnt offerings, no more grain offerings or sacrifices. Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. Jeremiah's words are literally true even if they are not what anyone in 580 B.C. imagined. But even with this knowledge, that Jeremiah was describing salvation far beyond the earthly problems of Judah, even with that knowledge, it hardly makes the passage seem that much more relatable to us today. Jeremiah's words are a 2,600-year-old riddle with an answer that has never been hidden from us. After all, we have the New Testament to tell us all about Jesus. So again... What is our relationship to an Old Testament passage, one that is whispering a secret we already know? Let's set scene two for a moment now. We're in an American July in the 21st century. And happy 4th of July to everyone coming up this weekend. When you celebrate the 4th of July, what do you think about? Some of my favorite memories of the 4th of July included time with family. And in fact, for me especially, I remember times when Elisa, my wife and I, and my sister... And my brother, and actually both of their would-be spouses, all played in a community band in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Every year, we ended the concert before the fireworks, playing Stars and Stripes for for all we were worth. Our beloved conductor slowing the middle of that march and building into that glorious crescendo, piccolos and trumpets singing, low brass charging, and the percussion marching us to those final heart-swelling refrains. The scene was out of a folk art calendar with popsicles and cotton candy and Americans of all ages coming out to celebrate. And what do we celebrate? Patriotism and pride in America? Absolutely. Hope that America continues to stretch and grow for the ideals on which the nation was founded? That too. For the gift of a glorious summer? For family get-togethers? Even that, it's okay. There's more than one right answer, and not everything has to be about the flag or everything has to be about God. We can enjoy God's gift of the summer as well. But I do think that there is something in the namesake of the day. We celebrate independence. We celebrate freedom. And what does that mean? In the summer of 1826, Thomas Jefferson had been invited to Washington, D.C. by Roger Waitman as one of the last surviving signers of the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson was in failing health, and actually he would soon die, but Jefferson wrote these timeless beautiful words speaking of the Declaration of Independence and America's freedom. May it be to the world, Jefferson writes, what I believe it will be to some parts of the world sooner than to others, but finally to all, the signal of arousing men to burst the change under which monkish ignorance and superstition had persuaded them to bind themselves and to assume the blessings and security of self-government. That form which we have substituted restores the free right to the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion." Those words of Jefferson speak in part to the very freedom that permits us to gather, to worship God, to hear God's calling and express ourselves. Jefferson goes on in that same letter, All eyes are opened, or opening, to the rights of man. The general spread of the light of science has already laid open to every view. The palpable truth that the mass of mankind has not been born with saddles on their backs, nor a favored few booted and spurred, ready to ride them legitimately by the grace of God. These are grounds of hope for others, for ourselves. And finally, Jefferson's letter goes on to the heart of why we celebrate the 4th of July at all. Let the annual return of this day forever refresh our recollections of these rights and an undiminished devotion to them. The 4th of July is a day to remember, but it is also a day to rededicate ourselves, to redevote ourselves to the exercise of these rights. In its own way then, The 4th of July is as much about the other 364 and a quarter days of the year as it is about the 4th of July. Americans having won our freedom these centuries ago, what does it mean to devote ourselves to these rights? What do we do with the freedoms in our everyday lives? And now we're in scene 3. We're now in that timeless moment of creation where we're connected with all members in the body of Christ in all times. What can Jeremiah tell us about Independence Day 2021? First, Jeremiah brings a message of hope. Are these polarizing times wearing on you? Are you touched by divisiveness or inequality? Do you wonder whether the U.S. of today, as Jefferson said, has all eyes opened to the rights of men and women? Or, as Jefferson said, are all eyes only still but opening to the rights of men and women. Do you pray for a better USA in whatever ways that means to you? Well, here comes Jeremiah to assure you there is hope. God has not abandoned us, even when these times seem tough. Jeremiah was not a popular prophet, but where Jeremiah chapters 30 and 33 stand, they stand as a book of consolation. There is reason for hope. Even in the face of foreign oppression, there is reason for pride as a people. God has a plan, and God is working the plan, and you are part of that plan. But God's plan is not your plan. You know, I wonder whether God, through Jeremiah, was just being sneaky clever. Keep in mind, the book of Jeremiah is filled, absolutely filled, with the phrase, Thus says the Lord jeremiah is not taking murky guesses like looking at god's plan through a foggy lens jeremiah is revealing god's word the way god intends jeremiah to say it so why in jeremiah did god reveal the coming of jesus in such a seemingly opaque way why did jeremiah's words contain the double meaning one susceptible to the coming of jesus but one a lot more likely to be misunderstood by ancient judah as a promise of military and economic revival. I think there is a lesson in humility in Jeremiah. Often we try to fit God's plan into our own desires. We take our immediate needs and try to fit God's word, even try to fit the happenstance of our lives, into those needs. But we are reminded that God's plan is bigger than our plan and it is bigger than our understanding. Just as Jeremiah's words meant far more than the earthly salvation of Jerusalem or Judah, God's presence in our li- in our lives means far more than what we perceive as our own best interests in the moment. And thank God, right? What if Jeremiah's words of comfort had meant only literally that the Davidic line of kings would be restored? On a day where we celebrate our unique and independent national identity as a country founded on rebellion, individuality, and self-determination? What would be our claim as children of God if we were required to trace a literal birthright to an Old Testament chosen land, an Old Testament chosen people, or a chosen king? We can be grateful then, and we are properly reminded by Jeremiah that there is often more meaning in God's words than what we might at first see. Our challenge is to remember that we do not have all the answers whether to earthly questions or godly designs. And third, I think that Jeremiah speaks to us about freedom. We already know that the Independence Day is about freedom. There's hardly a more American value than the idea that anyone can be anything with hard work and determination. While we may not be perfect in the US at realizing that value just yet, we continue to strive for it. Do you also see the freedom in God's new covenant in Jeremiah? Whatever may have been true about Jewish law, God is absolutely clear in Jeremiah. He is writing his law on each of our individual hearts. We do not earn salvation, and God is not keeping score of our good and bad bad deeds. From the least of us to the greatest, says the Lord, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Can you imagine what life would look like if God did keep score of all of us personally? Would you be immobilized by fear of certain failure? Would you be forever second-guessing your path or your choices? How would we even measure deeds and misdeeds against one another? Would our human minds even keep up with such a ledger of debits and credits? Does an idea of a ledger of debits and credits on your deeds even seem absurd to you? Thank God salvation is a gift, and we are free from our own worst selves. Knowing that we have hope... Humbly knowing of our own shortcomings and embracing our freedom from sin. The question now, dear friends, is what do we do with it? When Monday comes, the glow of the fireworks will fade away. We'll return to our everyday lives. The glow of Jeremiah's words will likely have tended to fade too. But what next then? To borrow Jefferson's words, will we carry with us a refreshed, undiminished devotion to freedom? Will our actions on July 5th and each day thereafter reflect the gratitude and opportunity we have been granted by the remarkable country in which we live? Will our actions reflect the love and opportunity that we've been granted by God by whom we live? How will we show others what American freedom means? How will we show others what freedom through the love and salvation of Jesus means? Thomas Jefferson pictured that the very act of defiance by a young USA, the very signing of the Declaration of Independence, was a signal not merely to the colony, not merely to the king, but to the world, a world in all time, that the freedom that the U.S. would enjoy, would fight for, was a better way. The very existence of the U.S. is a beacon of hope and faith that would and will spread in the world. How much more so are our own lives a chance to be a signal and a beacon of God's love and Jesus' salvation? Just by existing, just by loving and living, we proclaim Jesus. How much more can we do? In this glorious country, you can be anything you choose to be, believe what you believe, and make change and serve others in any way God has in store for you. What will you do in your everyday life for God and for country with your refreshed, undiminished devotion? Happy Fourth of July weekend.
0: And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, If you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.